Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I'm your host, Aaron Palmer, and once again, joined by Mr. Daniel. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, it's, I'm good. It's good to be here. <laughs> We've turned into gremlins for some reason. Yeah. Because sure. why not? It's the heat. I'm shriveling it's up. It's the heat. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's kind of sad but funny that we're like oh no it's the heat it's so hot and it's like uh in washington state it is not nearly as hot as the rest oh. of the country slash yeah the i was gonna say right now. <laughs> it could be worse but that doesn't mean it's fun no yeah we're like oh no it's 85 today and then we've got you know the midwest like it's 117 yeah. today <laughs> well nowhere has nowhere here has um ac so like well i mean you do but i but do like, <laughs> in general yeah in general like you have to go to like businesses and even then not all businesses have it mm -hmm. this is true like, i know yeah like in the south and in the midwest it's like everywhere, everywhere has AC. uh-huh i know this makes is it true. more bearable Mostly, you're just bu building hopping. Here, it's like yeah, you go to the exactly. mall, you go to the movie theater, or grocery yeah, store. The grocery store. Are, <laughs> yeah. Those are your picks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's a nice little tidbit about Washington yeah. State and how we suck with AC units. <laughs> As I say, get with the times. Get with Washington. the times. Well, uh, yeah, there's other reasons for that. That we're just not. That's not this kind of yeah, podcast. Yeah, we're not going to go that's another, <laughs> into we'll start that. another podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, politics. Am I right? Uh, okay. Well, on that lovely note, okay. what are we actually talking about today, Mr. Daniel? We are talking about a uh, short story novella. I think it's a novella called Story of Your Life. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, written by uh, Ted Chiang. And it was written in 1998. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, so it's it, the the official name of the book. It's like a compilation of short stories. So the yes. official book title is like Stories of Your Life and Others or something others. like that, right? Yes. Um, but the main story is called Story of Your Life. We're going to say story I have it a right lot. here. No one can hey. see it. But Ooh, I you, can. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, yep, yep. So on the flippity flop, we've got the adaptation, which this is one of like, I think this is the third one where the title doesn't actually match yeah. the original title and the adaptation is called Arrival which was directed by Denis Villeneuve in 2016 and it has some lovely actors such as Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, Michael Stolberg and a lot of other and people. Yeah. Those are the the big ones but yeah it's very cool. I feel like I was expecting when I started this podcast to have more titles that didn't match the books, but I have now found that that is actually not the case. <laughs> yeah, it's actually surprising that like a lot of them will just be the exact same title or or something kind of similar. Pretty close, yeah. I think the other two were both actual Taika Waititi films because it was Jojo Rabbit oh, right. and Hunt for the Wilder People. And again, yes. all y'all's know I love me some Taika and he just can yeah. never be with it's the like, brain. We'll, get, <laughs> we'll give him a pass. Um, I will always give him a pass, but we're not talking about Taika today as much as yeah. I'm sad about that. Yeah, not today. Uh, we'll talk about him a lot later probably. Okay, so. Before we get started, you guys know the drill. Uh, lots of things are being discussed in great detail, so spoilers. If you don't want things spoiled, pause. Yeah. 
go experience your short story, go experience the film, and then you can come back and dive I in I mean, with us. honestly, this short story, this is one of the few cases where I think you could probably read the story in the same time it takes to watch the movie. I mean, like, oh, yeah, maybe not. Like, it's two, it's a two-hour movie, and but, like, honestly, this short story is, like, what, like... Like what is it like ninety pages? Like something like that. It's short. It's not. I finished it in in two sittings. Like yep. It was nothing. Yep. I think. Uh, and it reads I, fast. I, it's really fast. It's really nice, smooth transitions. It's it's kind of a breeze. And I I think I did the audio book, and it was like, oh, I want to say like hundred and twenty minutes or something like that for oh, the yeah, audio book. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah, you yeah. Easily sit down for you know lunch and finish it. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, super short, really sweet. Um, the film is a film. So yeah, pause, do those things if you need to, and then come back and find us. Otherwise, before we get started, Mr. Daniel, uh, pro source or pro adaptation? Well, this is a, this is a tough one. This is a tough yeah. one because they're both really good. Because I saw the movie first before mm-hmm. reading the short story. Yeah, same. And so... It's a it is a tough one, but I do think that I am pro source, uh, and and I'll get into the why of that later in yeah. more detail. But I do think I am pro source over uh, adaptation, just barely. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think I am actually. Mm, ooh, this is this is hard because I originally I was like, man, this movie is awesome. And then I found out it was a short story. I was like, how on earth did they make this movie from a short story? And then I read it. I'm like, okay, I see it now. Um, yeah. I, mm, I don't – I think I'm going to go the other way. I think I like the film a little bit better than the short story oh, again. Right. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll get into why that is. I have a lot of things that I want to nerd out about about the film specifically, yes. although I will say both are pretty stellar in my yeah. opinion. Um, but yeah, okay, yeah. You'll go one way, I'll go the other, and we'll call it good. We'll yeah, in the great. middle. Cool. All right, well, without further ado, could you give us a synopsis of the source material, please? Yes, um, and I would like to say I, I wrote this. Thank you. Ooh, um, yes. Uh, Story of Your Life is a sci-fi novella written by American writer Ted Chiang uh, and first published in 1998. It's narrated by linguist Dr. Louise Banks and begins on the day of her daughter's birth. Addressed to her daughter, the story alternates between recounting the past when an alien species arrived on Earth and remembering the future of what will happen to her daughter as she grows up. Ooh, excellent. Succinct. Love it. Gives you just enough teaser. Chef's kiss. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Ever since our lovely friend Dan Rector came on the show and has his epic writing, now it's like the bar has been set. It's like, we can't compare, but (laughs) but I'll try. (laughs) No, it's lovely. I love it. Succinct. Chef's kiss. All right. Well, uh, you already kind of gave a little bit of a teaser in the beginning, but tell me about the short story novella, whatever we want to call it. Like what kind of stood out to you to to make you lean towards it more? I think what stood out to me the most is the perspective that this story is written in. Yeah. Um, A lot of times, like the two main perspectives that most stories are written in is first person and third person. Right. And for anyone who doesn't know, first person is I. I did this thing. Mm-hmm. And third person is he, she, they mm-hmm. uh, did this thing. However, this book is written or this short story is written in third person some of the time uh, mm-hmm. when it's in the past tense talking about the alien species arrival on Earth. 
Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the time, it is in second person when yeah. it's talking about the future of what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. However, what is so fascinating about this is that the future tense parts. Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know, second tense is you, mm-hmm. which you do is this. You are about so to- very rare. Because yeah. it's it's kind of jarring and it's very, I feel like people use second tense only when, or second person only when, like, uh, what are those called? Um, choose your choose, own adventure books. Yeah, I was going like, to say like Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, like some of the, like it's it's kind of like, it's it's for a very specific purpose. Like uh-huh. stories just aren't really written in, in second person because it just kind of feels weird to have like, to have that. But in this case, it makes a lot of sense because it's not written for the reader. It is the narrator talking to someone else who is also in the story, kind of. Yeah, I think I I kind of interpret second tense as kind of like breaking the fourth wall a little bit in a book. A little bit. It's it's, but it's not quite because it's like breaking the fourth wall is like you're you're talking directly to the audience. And you yourself are in the story and you're removing yourself from the story to bring the audience in to talk about something. And so this is kind of like that, but it's like a targeted focus of a specific person as opposed to you, dear reader, you know, something like that where it's a little bit different. But yeah, it's it's a very different style. You just don't see it very often. Yeah. And then on top of that, having it be this sort of unique rare uh perspective it also is second person future tense which i feel like future tense is also kind of rare yeah in that like or maybe not rare but like kind of it like it can be clunky to talk about future tense like Mm -hmm. like i will do this you will do this like Mm -hmm. you will do this or this will happen to you is like Mm -hmm. kind of there's a lot of room for I feel in my opinion there's a lot of room for like failure or sort of like just sort of like a general grammatical syntactic syntactical I don't know uh <laughs> sort of like um something <laughs> problem with like people can you can get sort of caught up a little bit in like it's a can sometimes sort of get confusing and tangled in its language yeah. um and so the fact that this short story like about a third of it maybe i don't know about half of it but not quite close, half but it's a, a lot it's of a it. lot a lot of mm-hmm. it is in this second person future tense talking to the daughter about from the perspective of of louise banks so it's the same narrator through all of it um mm-hmm. it's just the 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 tense and the perspective changes talking to her daughter about what is going to happen in her daughter's future and then what has happened already in her mother's uh louise banks past with the aliens and and it's it's really it's quite seamless i mean it breaks it up into like different paragraphs but like it will like there will be no there's no chapters or anything Yeah, yeah it just it just jumps around and it's it is a really smooth transition i don't think i even actually realize that until you mentioned you're like oh my god you're right (laughs) like it it was a really smooth transition that i didn't even really notice the shift in tone yeah which is kind of cool and it's it's uh, that's definitely the thing that stood out the most to me um initially um just when i started reading it now i had seen the movie already so i kind of knew a little bit of the twist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but in the movie it's kind of a twist but we'll get into that but in the book it's not so much of a twist so much because 
it's pretty quick. I was just looking over before um, we started. I was looking mm-hmm. over the book just to sort of refresh some stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like page four or five that we find out. It starts in the in the second person immediately. And then it goes to third person. And then like page four or five, we find like we get a flash forward to when her and her husband are at the morgue. Yeah. And then we get like this. I'll just, I'll just, we'll just get yeah. into spoilers. We get yeah. literally like four to five pages in, we find out that, that the daughter has died at age 25. Mm-hmm. That uh, Luis has to um, identify the body, identify the body yeah. at the morgue mm-hmm. with uh, her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that like definitely. Right out the gate. But like, it's, it's like this really weird thing because it's like, you still, we still haven't had it explained why part of this story is in future tense Mm -hmm. and why like how is this person talking to someone about the future like Mm -hmm. because that's another thing is like how do you tell someone what how can a human being tell someone what will happen happen in their life if it hasn't happened yet yeah the way i kind of read it like i i also knew the twist because i'd seen the film first but when i was first kind of reading through it it almost felt like kind of a diary passage of her recalling what that was like and the daughter had already passed so it was Mm. like she was writing a diary entry or a letter to her deceased daughter i see in in the sense but that's kind of what it originally felt like even though i knew that that wasn't the case and it you know as we'll get further into that but it is a really interesting way to discuss future because like you were saying a lot of it was like you will do this this will happen to you and you when we think of a lot of like fantasy and stuff like that where they're talking about the future and premonitions and stuff like that it's people will see flashes of like i am doing this i i see this and it's again you're doing it presently even though it hasn't happened yet and so it's like you're living in the moment of something that is to come and this is very different tone it's like you right. will do this i will be driving to the morgue to see you and you will look different and it's not my daughter but i know it's you and it's so it's very very yeah. different tone it's very cool yeah it's it's definitely it, it feels like that sort of prophetic but it doesn't yeah it doesn't have that sort of fantasy element that like mm-hmm. pr- a prophecy normally has right um i mean it's sci-fi so obviously there's like a fiction element like uh, not fantasy element but there is Mm a i mean sci-fi and fantasy can be very similar to each other it usually the differences are you know what is causing you know science causes the mystery in one and maybe Mm -hmm. magic causes the mystery in the other but Mm -hmm. you know the story could be pretty similar right in this case it's a little bit of science that causes it I, although I don't I know, would maybe... definitely say science is what caused it. Tech, uh, I mean, well, ooh, ooh, this is yeah. I I would vote science because I do consider this a very yeah. sci-fi oriented story. Yes, it is definitely very sci-fi. I I I have differing opinions about what is happening in the story versus what is happening in the movie. Oh um, yeah, totally. I think that something very similar happens in both of them, but I do mm-hmm. think that. I feel like it's different, but maybe I'm just like I'm interpreting it a little differently in the story versus the movie. But mm-hmm. they depict it differently, though. And so I think that's kind of, again, we look at tonal depiction and it is very different tone. Same kind of outcome in the film, but very different tone than what the 
book yeah. actually suggests. So let's let's get into that. I want to talk about that. Like, so what's kind of the explanation for how um, Louise Banks is able to actually see what's going to happen with her daughter and her life? Yeah. So the this alien race arrives, and this uh, they uh, obviously are not humanoid. They. Yeah. Um, their speech and their writing are all completely different than uh, how humans speak and write. And and this book is very linguistic heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a linguist. Uh, she has a yes. doctorate in in linguistics. Um, and so the U.S. government, they uh, these aliens land at. I wrote it down. These aliens land at. Uh, it's like over two hundred sites, isn't it? It's I th- a lot. I, I wrote it down. It's one hundred and twelve sites yeah. in, in the book, and so they yeah, one hundred and twelve different alien ships mm-hmm. land across the world, um, and one of them is, uh, or a few of them are in the U.S. I I believe, and mm-hmm. so the U.S. government comes to Louise ba- Doctor Louise Banks and says, "Hey, here's this recording of an alien." Um, can you tell us what it's saying? And she says, As you do. <laughs> she says, not from a recording. I'll, I would need, you know, to speak with them. And they're like, that's mm. not going to happen. Um, like, well, tough. <laughs> and then she says, yeah, like, well, then it's not going to happen. Like, cause that's, I can't just do this from a recording. But then she like kind of asked a few very like knowledgeable questions about like, and they kind of, uh, I think it's Colonel Weber, I think is, was his, yeah, his name so. in the, and in, in the, the book, I think yeah. in both actually his name is Colonel uh-huh. Weber, um, but he says he's has like this sort of like understanding that uh, maybe this person knows what she's talking about, and so yeah. they bring her in and they say you're going to be working with this um, physicist Gary. What is his name? Oh, what's his last name? I, I wrote remember. it down. Gary Donnelly. Um, there you go. And he so he's a physicist. She's a linguist, and they are going to basically try to communicate with these aliens about language and then about math um science um As you do. <laughs> and so obviously yeah the physicist is for the science and then yeah. uh she is for the language and mm-hmm. so they get started and it's a lot of hard work because they don't have any common ground to with which to because like she's talking about how with human languages it's like there are similarities between human languages, even if they are seemingly drastically different. Um, humans have a language that is our written language is based in our spoken language uh, mm-hmm. because our spoken language is first and then we created a written language after. Right. Um, and that is the case with uh, at least most the, language. Uh, yeah, most okay. of them, as far as I know, all of them, if if a, if a language has a written version, at least for languages that exist now, if a language yeah. has a written version, it is a written version of the spoken version. Um, and so yeah. if you can learn one, you it helps you learn the other. However, yeah. they find out very quickly that that is not the case with these aliens and that they basically have two languages that they speak to that they speak. Yep. They speak and then they write and they're t- not completely the same different language. concepts. Yeah. yeah. So they realize that they have to basically learn like two pick, languages pick, pick one or the other or yeah. learn both and so they i think she ends up choosing the written language they find that the written language is easier to go with 
uh, because they can't recreate the spoken language. Yeah, I think there's a, a scene in the beginning where she tries, like, they record something when they ask, they say, like, I'm human. And then they think, OK, that might be the name that of like what they are. And they recorded it. And then she tried to repeat the sound and they just like crickets like they had no yeah. she couldn't actually duplicate the noises that they were making and then when she played the recording back they're like oh yeah yeah exactly so it's like well <laughs> i tried <laughs> yeah like they yeah so they just decide yeah. well okay maybe the written language is easier so they start working on that and they are working with other sites around the world um mm-hmm. and they're sharing data and they're like like some people are making breakthroughs in this country and they're sharing it and they're making they're making breakthroughs in America and they're sharing it with the other countries and they all sort of start to create uh, an understanding of this language so they can actually speak more or less Mm -hmm. communicate with these uh, aliens Um, and the army wants to or the military wants to know the ultimate question is like why are they here Um, what yeah what are you what did you come to earth for and so that is the whole thing and she's uh, and so she is working on trying to build an understanding of what their language is and communicate with them so that they can ultimately ask that question and then ultimately ask questions about science and so once they get a, a basis for a communication then donnelly comes in and they start talking about science with them and showing them equations and showing them different concepts about mm-hmm. and like seeing like of what how we that, know yeah, yeah and how they respond to that sort of thing mm-hmm. um so that's the gist that's like a, ma- a big chunk of the story actually is like is that and then it kind of culminates in she talks about how i think she mentions like once you like like about dreaming in a language once you immerse yourself mm-hmm. in uh in a language uh long enough like you you know that you really are starting to understand it when you start dreaming in that language right because your and pathways like, in your brain are actually thinking in a different way and are actually able to connect yeah the two yeah and so she starts dreaming in the in that language she starts thinking about everything in that language and the big breakthrough that they have is probably about three quarters of the way through the story when they realize, and I don't even know if it's them who realizes or if it's another team that realizes, I, I can't quite remember, but they realize that these, they call them heptapods because they, I think mm-hmm. believe they have seven legs. I think hepta is seven. Um, yeah. And they realize that their written language, it's a, what is it called? It's like outside. I don't know. Exactly. Remember how exactly she describes it, but basically when they create this word or this symbol that that is for a it's like a character that means like a sentence mm-hmm. um when they create this they create it all at once even though there's like an order that we would read it in but mm-hmm. they're saying it they're writing it all at once and i think right. she says it's basically like if you're if you wrote something with both hands at the same time like the beginning and the end of a sentence at the same time they have to know the entire concept of what they're talking about before they've even started it like they have to know where everything because it's like little changes in it will like change the completely change the meaning Mm -hmm. of what they're saying and like it doesn't seem like to have any sort of tense yeah tied to what they're saying they just sort of like say something and it's sort of like outside of 
the human understanding of time, I guess. Yeah. And so when she starts dreaming in this language, she starts thinking about everything sort of without a tense involved. Yeah. It's trippy. <laughs> yeah. And it's really hard to sort of wrap your head around I, because like yeah. that's just not how we think. Like we're very linear. Everything yeah. is like you start something, you finish something. But from the, the heptapod yeah. perspective, it's basically like time is fluid and everything is happening simultaneously. Yeah. So you're you're it's a it's like a very um weird little tangent. This is very like Dr. Manhattan from um oh, Watchmen where yeah. like he's experiencing everything all at once. So he's like, right now I'm in nineteen eighty eight and right now I'm in you know, I'm fifteen, twenty years ago and right now I'm ten minutes from now. Like he, he's all over the place yeah. constantly. And that's how they basically function. So their language, their written language is the same kind of concept where everything exists at the same time and not at all until they write it down. It's it's wild. It's very trippy. <laughs> yeah. And it and and then that sort of like when you get to that point in the story, it starts to make sense of like, oh, that's why this story is written this way, because mm -hmm. her thought process has just become sort of timeless or like yeah. she is talking about the future, but she's talking about it like it hasn't happened. But like you saying, is she just sort of thinking about it that way or... Mm -hmm. Is she actually sort of, did she like, become did it actually prophetic? Not happen? Yeah. Like, or is that, yeah, like, or is she act like, you know, that's, that's the part of this book that I think has, that I have um, a different feeling about because I felt the way it was described in the book was that she just sort of changed her perspective of how she thinks about things. Um, mm -hmm. Not so much that the future tense parts of the book are her saying what will happen but that just her sort of understanding of time and mm -hmm. like the order in which things happen has just shifted um and so she just sort of thinks of things as like things have happened are happening will happen but there's not much of a distinction between them which is why she's like when she's telling the story she's just seamlessly swapping between what uh -huh. has happened and what will happen. Yeah. And, and there doesn't seem to be much of a distinction on her end. There's like a paragraph break because it's like a different topic. But yeah, when you speak, there's no paragraphs. Like mm -hmm. it's only for the benefit of the reader that these things are segmented out in paragraphs. Right. At least that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. And I was just thinking like if you want to get like super meta with it, if you imagine if she had written this language, written this in the language of the heptapods, there would have probably been no tense. It would have all just been continuous thought because right. they don't have the concept of time like we do. And the, we the reason that it's kind of weird for us is because we do have the restrictions of time and talking right. in future tense is kind of weird when you're doing that in a sense where you're like, well, this will happen or this has happened and I'm already talking about it, but it hasn't happened. But it's it's really weird to wrap right. your head around. Um, it is very, very cool. Um, it is unlike anything I've ever read. It is very much. And it's so short as a thing. Like there's so much in there. And it's really not that long. Like it it covers a lot of ground. Yeah. And it doesn't feel rushed, which I think is no. kind of wild too. And it just kinda ends. Like Yep. It's just like a snapshot mm -hmm. of her her time with, with the aliens because it ends with mm -hmm. the aliens just leaving. 
Mm-hmm. And like, they don't get an answer really for like, I think like, they're like, why are you here? Or like, what is it? And they say like, oh, we have a gift for you. And they give them the gift. And it's like something that humans already know. It's like, mm. what, mm. what is it that they get? They give them an equation for, for relativity or? <sighs> I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it's not like this amazing groundbreaking, like we have, you know, the mathematical equation for time travel, you know, like <laughs> nothing that is mm-hmm. like groundbreaking for what we have today. Um, like you would see in a lot of other sci-fi where like we yeah. have the miracle of life in a bottle. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They just keep they, like, I think at one point they're like, oh, maybe they're giving us something for faster than light travel, or maybe they're, mm-hmm. you know, something for like some crazy new energy source that we can mm-hmm. and nothing they they give them they give humans nothing that we didn't already have mm-hmm. uh except sort of the knowledge i guess that there's extraterrestrials there's extraterrestrials yeah. which is was not really their intention it seemed but like the main gift from these aliens it seems is that she very specifically she and there's probably other people of the linguists in the other teams they we don't ever go into them but right it's really just her as the focal probably other people who this happened to as well most likely yeah and sort of like this the gift that that she got was this sort of like enlightenment in a way a little bit yeah even though like that's that's the thing that's like there's no indication that this was ever really their purpose other than just sort of like they came down and they just just were like hey how's it going and like <laughs> like they asked questions and the humans asked questions right and they and had conversations got, happened and then they just <laughs> left like mm-hmm. uh and like nothing and they're like oh, oh okay and the humans were like oh they're just gone now yep and like the main point of this is they uh have this very weird way of looking at time a very weird mm-hmm. way of looking at um language and yeah. like it's it's one of the, I was I was I was like tr- trying to th- remember my train of thought um or or it's very sp- interesting because like even like you were saying with like humans think very linear linearly mm-hmm. um even in the times where she's writing it if like you were saying if if it were written in the heptapod's language mm-hmm. uh it would be tenseless likely mm-hmm. you would have the entire story sort of just happen right. like but like we can't we can't read it that way like it has right. to be it would written. make no sense yeah we, it, we would have no concept of like is this happening now is this happening like is, are we watching this happen did this already like right I, our brains have to rationalize time frame because that's how we function in everything yeah. even when so we're I, talking I, yeah. about future tense stuff it mm-hmm. still has to be in some linear order or or yep. else we can't follow it like yeah. even if we don't know everything before it it still has to be somewhat linear mm-hmm. for us to follow but in in her mind and then in, in their minds um that is just not the case like mm-hmm. there is no linear time frame where thoughts and events are happening right yeah and yeah it's and it's so hard really to like different. wrap around like <laughs> yeah. because yeah no one no one can think like that Right. Well, that's that's never how people really functioned because time has always been kind of a factor, even when we didn't have like actual like s- real settings of like, you know, clocks might not have been a thing yet or like, you know, right. sundials were a thing. But before sundial, you know, like all the stuff that we've kind of constructed right. to keep track of time, whether that is calendars, 
you know, clocks, birthdays, anniversaries, you know, like uh, any like scheduling. I mean, all that stuff has been created because we need that structure to rationalize what we're doing to understand what's happening, what has happened, what will happen. You know, it is. Yeah. Very, very weird way. Um, It's like very timey, wibbly, wibbly, wobbly. And I love it. Yeah. Very cool. It's very sci-fi without like, because it could easily sort of stumble into a time travel thing, right? Or or something like that, and it doesn't. It does. It mm-hmm. is just very. It's a contained story about this linguist and this kind of about this physicist, um, and their mm-hmm. interactions with uh, aliens, <laughs> and like, and then yeah. and then it ends. Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on the kind of like non-alien side of the story. To me, it seemed like it it had a lot of the like sci-fi elements with the, you know, aliens come to Earth Mm -hmm. and there's like the the exchange of knowledge in a way and like learning their language. And like that part was like the kind of slow burn sci-fi, which I love. But then when they're when she's focusing on her daughter and her life, it I'm just curious of like why you thought that that was peppered in why it wasn't just a short story on a linguist experiencing an alien race for the first time like i'm just curious like of the kind of rationale i guess behind bringing the more human side of things into the story and i wanted to get your thoughts on that Mm, i see Uh, yeah like why include it yeah yeah uh that is a good question. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess I, I couldn't say for sure what his yeah. reasoning for, uh, for including it is. Other than I think the idea, I think it wraps itself pretty well with the idea because I think at the end is when it reveals that Gary Donnelly is the father of the child mm-hmm. that she's talking to, yeah. um, the whole book, and so we are getting the past and the future simultaneously and i right. think that from a from a um just a purely like uh like storytelling standpoint i think that that is th- the order in which these things are presented with the going from the future tense to the past tense back to the mm-hmm. future sort of seamlessly i think that is also assisting in telling the story even though we don't technically realize it until right. we get to the end um but i i think it probably could have been about anything i think that it could have just been any future story that happens that she's telling right. i think it all it the fact of it being the daughter is probably because that's tied into the past because that's the story of how it's like how i met your father yeah so it's like she's telling the daughter how she met her her father while also saying these this is the the story of your life which is mm-hmm. the title of the of the short story mm-hmm. it's almost like the point of the story is the future tense stuff and yeah. the past tense stuff is sort of the detail uh the the secondary detail which yeah. which is funny because it's like you said it's a sci-fi story and you would think that the sci-fi details are the point. Right. <laughs> but I think it might even it might be the opposite. The point of the story, as said by the title, is the story of the life of because it starts with the birth of the daughter. The or mm-hmm. or the 
I guess not the birth. It starts with the night that her and her husband decide to have a baby. And it mm-hmm. has the line, like, he asks her, do you want to have a baby? Mm-hmm. And it ends the same way. It ends with it going back to that scene of them. Mm-hmm. And she says, yes. And then it, and then the story ends. And so it is this perfect circle of a story. Yes. But it is all about the daughter's life mm-hmm. and and ultimately her death. Yeah. Because it, and and the things are tied pretty well together because and, and there's this one scene that I really love and it's in the movie too and so I and I'm really glad that they included it because it's the scene where she she's talking about she's talking to her daughter and her daughter comes downstairs and she needs help with her homework and she says oh, yeah. what is it called when you have two people and they're like are trying to like get a scenario where they where they both uh where they both benefit and she says a mm-hmm. compromise and she says no that's no, not it's it it's a science term and she yeah. says if you want science go talk to your father and of course she's sort of says it dismissively and um mm-hmm. and then the daughter huffs off because i think at that point they were separated yeah and she says you never helped me with anything and then it jumps to the to the past where she's talking to i think gary donnelly is talking about yeah. something and then he talks about a zero-sum game and explains what a zero-sum game is. And then it jumps back into the future where – and then she, she says – She remembers the term, the term and says so zero-sum cool. game. And her daughter says, thank you. And I think yeah. that the whole point of that scene is that she's recalling – because she is recalling the things that will happen. So she's mm-hmm. like talking about – she's telling her daughter about this time that she – needed help with her home she needs help with her homework and Mm -hmm. then she goes into the past where the where she learned that information yeah Yeah. (laughs) to which then she then uses that information into in the next scene uh yeah or in the next moment so i do actually think that maybe it's backwards maybe the the point of the story is the future tense and the past tense is is the details of... It's just the peppering, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I totally forgot that it starts and ends with the same scene, and it's mm-hmm. like you're right. It's a complete perfect circle, which is like, oh, it's so yeah. good. It's so well knit, and it's so s- succinct. I love it. Um, something that I, I really thought was cool about this is, you, you think about the concept of her talking about what is happening, what will happen, what has happened. So we, we find out, you know like a third of the way in that when she's experiencing the aliens for the first time it's they make it clear that she doesn't have any kids yet and then you find out later that you know she met the future father while meeting the aliens like that's how they first met and so it then you start to piece together that so she met the father and then in that time that they were with the aliens she then kind of her brain pathways changed that she could see into the future, which means that she was not with this guy yet. She hadn't, if I think they get married and like, they haven't decided to have a kid yet, but she already knew that the daughter was going to die. So it's like that decision process of like, if you knew that that was where it was going to end up, would you change anything? Right. Like that. And that's the kind of crazy thing is that it seems like, she didn't. She went into it knowing that this was going to happen because she kind of gains that foresight halfway through the alien encounter. 
and it they make it sound like this happened well after that. Right. It's just it just crazy. Well, that, like oh. that's the part where. So I that's the part where actually I think that I have a slightly different opinion of of the the future tense stuff. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't personally feel like the way the book is written that she is telling the future or she knows the future. I think it's just that she sort of that the perspective of it is that because it's because it's a circle, the story is Mm -hmm. is written as a circle starts and ends in the same spot. It just sort of is like the story of of her daughter's life is just sort of like a a circular thing in her mind. Like there is all happening simultaneously. Yeah. When you think about like when things did happen or didn't happen in a circle it just depends on where you are in that circle yeah that's true something is in the future if you're on the left side but then once you're on the right side it's in the past but it's all happening Mm -hmm. i I don't know that's just my was my that's my interpretation of the book now in the movie i think it i agree with you a little bit more about yes the movie's interpretation of that and maybe the book was like that, and maybe I just interpreted it differently, and maybe the movie actually. I mean, was that's totally fine. Quite <laughs> accurate. Yeah, I yeah, that's a really good point. I th- I see your point where it is almost like um, I guess that just made me think of another kind of comparison. Is the book now that you've said that kind of makes me think that you know when you have like something happens and then you have a thought process and a chain reaction of thoughts happen and it's happening in milliseconds. Right. But you've had like five different thoughts, 10 different thoughts in that amount of time, but nothing's actually, you haven't physically moved, nothing's actually happened yet. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of what the book is. It's like it starts and ends with the same scene because nothing has actually happened, but everything has happened in her head yeah. because she's experiencing it all at once. Ooh, ooh, that's kind of trippy. And, <laughs> and yeah, and there's no, I mean, I don't, I don't know what uh, what the author thinks, but- I have no idea, but that's a cool thought. But yeah, I think that that is sort of the beauty of this is that it's not totally clear. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, does she gain some sort of foresight ability uh, or does her- the way she thinks just completely shifts because of how because of her learning of of this language that requires that sort of thought process mm-hmm. um yeah it's very it's very uh cerebral. nebulous yeah it is cerebral <laughs> in that yeah where it's yeah. like you it i don't think either one is particularly wrong i i, yeah. I see exactly the i see the details that that lead to your conclusion as well yeah it's ooh Oh man, I'm gonna have to go back and reread I know. it again. Think, thinking in that sense, because I wasn't even thinking that way, and it it is kind of a, a a little like diamond in the rough where you pick it up, you're like, wow, this is a really short story, but then you start really teasing it apart and just think about the kind of mechanics that were built into the story. Yeah, and it really is like all constructed around the tense, and it just happens to be in a sci-fi setting. Yeah, it it is very very cool um, i yeah. i so so highly recommend this book to uh to anyone who even if you aren't like a huge sci-fi fan it is so well written the it is so different the, it's so different it's very unique mm-hmm. um and and the the language in it is just beautiful like mm-hmm. i wish i had gone through and like written sentences and and parts mm-hmm. because uh, the dialogue between the daughter and the mother is so good, and mm-hmm. 
the little side notes that uh, Luis has when she's talking about her daughter or when she's talking about the aliens, like Mm -hmm. it's just very well written. Yeah. And then on top of that, the literal skeleton of the story is a storytelling device. Like, yeah, it's very it's incredible. It's very unique. Yeah, honestly, it it is unlike anything I've ever read. And um, I feel like we can easily talk about this for <laughs> a lot for, again, such yeah. a short read. But there's so much to unpack in there. Um, and the uniqueness is like by far the biggest one for sure. But I want to um, unless you've got any final, final thoughts, I wanted to kind of transition us into the film if you're good with. That. No, I'm good with that. I I, uh, I think yeah. most of the stuff I have left would be in the comparison section anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting to, too. All right. Well, let me read the synopsis for the film, and then we'll jump into that conversation. So, linguistics professor Louise Banks, played by Amy Adams, leads an elite team of investigators when gigantic spaceships touch down in 12 locations around the world. As nations teeter on the verge of global war, Banks and her crew must race against time to find a way to communicate with the extraterrestrial visitors. Hoping to unravel the mystery, she takes a chance that could threaten her life and quite possibly all of mankind. (laughs) So dramatic. Wow, so dramatic. And also, uh, very first thing, 12 locations. Yes. Not 112, 12. They were like, eh, who needs 100 extra? That's too many. Just 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the drama is yes. heavy. Had I read that before I'd seen the film, I don't think I would have seen it. I was trying to. This does not hit the tone no. at all. Oh. I was trying to, uh, I was like trying, I, when I was going to watch it, I was like, hey, Sam, do you want to watch it with me? And she was mm-hmm. like, what's it about? And I was like, I'll just look up the synopsis because it's kind of, mm-hmm. I was like thinking about it. I was like, how do I explain <laughs> this in such a short time? Without like, and also without giving too much away because yeah. there is kind of the, there is a little twisty stuff at the end. And I read this and she was like, <laughs> and I read this and I was like, what? <laughs> that's not at all what it's And then like. she was like. I don't think I want to watch it. And I was like, that's fair. But, this is a but, really but you, bad synopsis. Yeah, it's not. It sounds like a lot of your stereotypical alien yeah. invasion films. But then you like throw on the linguistics professor in right. there. And you're like, what is that? Like, that's a weird angle. But then it's like, she's got to save the world from we're on the brink of war. Yeah. You know, like that whole thing sounds like, OK, it's just another Independence Day. It is. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> it, it definitely. And of course, when you're making a movie and you're writing the synopsis or you're making the trailer you know, mm. it has to be, oh, it, like uh, the big blockbuster feeling. Bombastic. But like yeah. this is like an, in, it, I wouldn't say an indie film. Uh, Denis, uh, Denis. Uh, it's Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve, who, who yeah. you know, has made Dune uh, now, which is definitely oh, a. He also did bl- the new Blade he Runner. He did the new Blade Runner. Oh, like these are, I would yes. say, those are blockbuster movies. Classic, for sure. Classic. However, yeah. um this is not this is this is a sort of a has a very indie movie feel to it it definitely doesn't mm-hmm. it definitely feels like the production of it is very good oh it's gorgeous. uh and these yeah the yeah. cinematography the music uh <gasps> i yes, mean we'll talk about that in a second <laughs> the the overall feel of this movie is way better than that synopsis uh gives it credit for Oh, God, I think that that yes. synopsis it, it cripples the the perception of this yep. movie. Absolutely, I saw that and I was like, "No, 
way that that's the actual, like, no way. Like, I can't believe that they got that out of this film. Because my hands-down favorite thing about this film was the fact that it's unlike any quote-unquote alien invasion film that I have ever seen. And the reason for that is that it focuses on soft science and not right. you know like we're gonna make bombs to blow the, the right. bad aliens to smithereens like there's one explosion in the entire film and it was not caused by the aliens it was caused by panicked military people yeah. and it's one explosion and it's it's wham bam done yeah there's and most of the suspense is because you can see the time ticking right. down because they place a bomb on the ship yeah and it's Oh, it's so cool. I love because it is like your classic slow burn sci-fi, yeah. which this actually made me think very reminiscently of like the original Alien film. Yes. Where it's heavily saturated in sci-fi, but nothing really happens. It's just people on a ship for like 70% of that yeah. movie. And then shit gets crazy at the end. Yeah. But this doesn't even really do that either. Like it's real slow burn and very cerebral. And it really does focus on the fact that language is the foundation of culture and of society, of civilization. And you don't get very far without working through that. Right. And it's, oh, it's, a- it's just yeah they very heavily even in the movie they very heavily focus on she is very insistent about the idea of that there is a process for which like we cannot just ask this question they have like that great scene where she erases part of the whiteboard uh and (laughs) and uh she says like this is the question you want to ask which is like what is your purpose here and it's like Uh how do you ask this question to someone who doesn't know what a question is uh, who yep. doesn't know what the what a noun is doesn't know like mm-hmm. and what if they don't think about things as questions what if they don't un- understand the causality between an action and an outcome like uh-huh. you we cannot <laughs> yeah. just ask this question to something and and expect it to give an answer that we can do anything that with. we will understand and e- yeah and even exactly. if they do give an answer that is technically right we won't even know what they're saying so it won't right. matter. And we might not understand it because their structure is completely different. And then she focused on like, what is your purpose? Like, is it you, like you specifically, you as a unit or you as your people? Right. Like there's a lot of different contexts yeah. that come out of such a quote unquote simple yeah. phrase. And this is like, ugh, I just, this is why I love this so much is that I am obsessed with linguistic study mm-hmm. and it's like, I said, so, uh Oh, semiotic linguistics is like one of my favorite subjects I took in college. And it's very like like um, anthropology based yes. and like very heavily like cultural and society based. And I oh, it's so good. And I do I do love like I watched a lot of the extras okay. on the film yeah. and they actually consulted quite a few um, actual anth- uh, anthropologists and linguists to get their idea of like, okay, here's what this character, Amy Adams, is playing. This is what she's going to say to military personnel, to other people of other backgrounds. Is this a realistic thing that she would call out or a realistic question or a realistic prompt that a linguist would do? And they called them out saying, yeah, no, they wouldn't ask this. They would ask it like this or like, oh, this isn't relevant. So they actually like consulted people who are in that field to make it feel authentic. And it really paid off. Yeah. It really paid off. Uh, one of my favorite things, this is this is uh, just a, like a nitpick that I, I hate when when you have 
seemingly nerdier characters in military settings. Um, yeah. Uh, but like like shows like uh, like CSI and, and, and like yeah. police setting police shows will have this problem too. Yeah. Law enforcement. Where, where yeah. a character is trying to explain something to, to the meathead uh, character. <laughs> Like because yeah. that's how, and I say that just because that's how the characters are sort of kind but of. But that's set how it's up. Even though I would Polar not extremes. say that that Colonel Weber in this is a meathead, I would say actually no. he's quite thoughtful, and I think that yeah, that they definitely made the military most of the military characters, except for a few who were very specifically depicted as sort of frightened and and fringe, and, and fringe. yeah. Um, but he being like the main point of contact between her uh, and Donnelly in for the military was asked very pointed questions and never once uttered the word. Okay. Now say that in English. It is. <laughs> Speak to me like I'm a it child. It is one of my <laughs> least favorite things. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that in real life. No one know, says right? that in real life. They just ask like, what do you mean? Like, what does that yeah, mean? I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. No one says, oh, okay. No, say that. Except like, that's like a dad joke. Like, <laughs> it's so bad like and not as far yes. as i remember not a single person said that they don't. in this you're absolutely movie. right well and, and and again uh the general is played by force whitaker which okay. he does such a good job he's so good and i love he's very even keeled mm-hmm. he obviously is they they show him in the light of like he is military background so he definitely has kind of the 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 uh, presence of being military, you can kind of see in the way he walks and talks. He's very, like, direct to the point. He's very, like, official with what he's doing. But he's also saying, like, I have to go into a room of old white dudes and explain to them why what you're doing is the best option. So help me out here. Like, explain to me why we want to start with basic words like dog, cat, walk, eat, and not what's the mathematical equation for blah blah you know right. like explain why this is we have to start with like kindergarten words yeah. and not where we're expecting to be and but he's asking the questions yes. and also once she's explaining it to him in a way that's like here's how complex this actually is it's not just a matter of you slap some words together right. and voila you've got your answer and he's like okay point taken yeah. and then he yeah. takes that back to his superiors and he actually listens not saying oh you're just a dumb like soft science person and you don't know what you're exactly. talking about you're just a geek and the military is going to plow over everything and make it fine like it's a very different at tone. every single turn mm. really at every single turn he is an advocate for for her yeah. and for donnelly like yep now she gets most of the attention because she is most of the initial the groundwork yeah, yeah. At, the, at the start and and she but he definitely advocates for both of them and, and they have the cia guy who's a little bit pushy um and he definitely yeah. he he's sort of like the more he he i feel like his character exists to show what it could be like how, how much of a night like this is the character that shows what this colonel is basically holding back try not to yeah that he's so that's michael stolberg uh mm-hmm. he is kind of like almost a devil's advocate, but also he's the more, not realist, but he's kind of the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? He's kind of pessimistic in the yeah. sense where he's like, he he brings up, they, they do a lot of analogies of like, okay, well, 
we all know what happened to the Aztecs when the Spaniards came and like, you know, like there's a lot of, you know, the upper civilization comes and wipes out the lesser one. So there's a lot of historical documentation of this. And so they do bring that up a lot where it's like, we don't know anything about them. And so far they've given us nothing and it's only a matter of time before they blow us all to smithereens. So why not just preemptively prepare for that? Yeah. (laughs) Which is a very military thing to think about. And it's fair if you don't know anything, but it i love that they put the forefront of like military power and prowess in the backdrop yes and really it's the actual like um educational and like philosophical focal point of this film it it ooh man alive i just got so much more tone of that in the film than in the book because the book yes. we're going to go comparison a little bit the book really focuses on the story of this woman and how she kind of experiences everything in a different time frame whereas this is they do bring the alien aspect yes. to the forefront and then you start to kind of unravel what's going on from Amy Adams perspective and where she yes. starts to have her th- kind of mind starts to adjust to their language so very different yeah, she instead of it being like the flashbacks to the to the past, this this is it's flash forwards. But I will say the movie does it a very interesting job. And if I did not already know the end of the movie when I was watching mm-hmm. it, and I think actually when I first watched it, because I think this is the point, the flash forwards that we know are forwards yeah. do seem like flashbacks. Uh, exactly, so, because that is how movies work. Usually, most of the time, you'll have the main yeah. story, and then the character will flash back to things like so. We see her with a daughter or a, a child who I think, and she's mm-hmm. and the child is bald and has uh, we assume cancer, but it's some disease. Some they never say specifically yeah. what it is, I don't think. I'm assuming cancer with the imagery, um, but yes, they see she's talking to we see the uh, the daughter being born, and then we see the daughter being in a hospital with a shaven head and her mm-hmm. crying and so we assume mm-hmm. like okay so the daughter, this is the daughter she had a and daughter she died and yeah. now she doesn't have a daughter anymore and she's very muted as a character when the when the movie starts she is a teacher mm-hmm. a professor and she goes you know to her class and she sort of kind of shuffles around and then she goes home and she's alone and she yeah. and you know so we're like okay so she had a daughter and her daughter died and now she does this and then the story's happening. Mm-hmm. And that is just like because we as as movie viewers have been trained that that is how That's this how process story works. how storylines work. <laughs> and then when we actually get to it at the end with the, the twist of the fact that like, oh, those flashbacks are actually flash forwards uh, mm-hmm. to the that life of – That has not happened yet to the life of the daughter mm-hmm. – um, because every time that the father is shown in those flashbacks, it's his he's blurred out and we don't or is it a or hand, it's just a hand and, and we never hear him. Is, yeah. So we don't know that it is the same character as uh, Jeremy as Jeremy Renner, Renner. Plays him. Yeah. Uh, until the very end when it reveals that Jeremy Renner is the father. So we know that these mm-hmm. are and then there's a one line at one point where she talks about he's talking about how he's never been married and then she says that she's never been married either. And that's about halfway through the movie, I think. But they have not mm-hmm. revealed yet, officially, that those are flash forwards. So, like, mm-hmm. they hint at it. They, like, basically tell you, like, oh, no, I haven't been married either. Like, and then we're like, wait a minute. 
Wait a second. Like, what else? So then it's like, okay, so then she had a child and didn't have a marriage, which that's fine. But it's like, yeah, the, the assumptions are very, very different. Right. And I this makes me think of a lot of other films that have like time jumps like this. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll be like, CSI shows and stuff they'll have like the opener of an episode is like something dramatic is happening to our main character and they're in great peril and then it cuts to black and says three weeks earlier you know stuff like that where they'll prompt so you're like okay okay so we're gonna find out what happens to lead up to this point and that is not at all how the film is 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 portrayed it's it does seem like it's all memories and then all of a sudden there's a scene where she's encountering the the aliens and she's like who is this child like why do you keep showing me this and we're like oh my god she doesn't know who it is but she's in those memories what like it's it's crazy and then yeah you start to realize that she has gained some sort of foresight or whatever you want to call it yes by studying these aliens yes I I wrote down a note when I was watching and I said her flash forwards seem almost magical as if caused by some Mm -hmm. sort of exposure to the heptapods and instead of a thought and then this was under the the my thought I was having about the book instead of just how Mm -hmm. she changes her thought process uh, and then I said seems more like a superpower. Yes, it does seem like there is more of a causation of her exposure, I guess you will, because. At first, when they first like encounter the aliens, they're in hazmat suits. Right. So there's zero connection. They're completely covered, and there's a barrier. They've got like the whole canary in the coal mine thing, like a literal canary to make sure that the atmosphere right. is, is not going to be toxic or radiation for them. And then as time goes on, she's like, this is not how you build a rapport right. with any sort of species or culture. So she's like, yeah, no, this isn't working. So she takes off her hazmat suit, and that's like the first step to really having a connection yeah. with the aliens and they actually show her walk up to the wall like the big glass wall or whatever you want to call it and she puts her hand on the glass and then they put their hand on the glass and that's like the first actual connection you yeah. see and then it gets to be more and more where they don't wear the hazmat suits anymore and then she starts dreaming about them in her sleep and then she starts to have these flash forwards and then she eventually actually goes into the room with yes at the very end and is like breathing in their atmosphere so it's like i feel like that's like the full conversion where she's like she's breathing in the same atmosphere that they are right and actually has like i feel like in some cases she also has like psychic connections with them yeah because she can form their language then at that point right yeah they give her like the let's talk okay there's so many things i'm like jumping around but there's so many things so the first thing like the language that they developed film wise oh it's so cool it's so cool it looks like a coffee cup stain Mm -hmm. or an ink like an ink and water look it's like fluid but it creates a shape and then it looks like uh kind of like smoke and yeah such a cool design yeah they have like because they have like almost like squid ink that comes out of their like the end of their leg um and Uh but then yeah they can like form it because the room that they're in is it's full of smoke or full of of some some sort, some of, sort of yeah whatever it is that their atmosphere yeah. they're breathing in they're they're living in is looks very, very hazy yeah and foggy. so they can create this like dark ink but it's also kind of smoke like you said um, mm-hmm. yeah and it forms a a circular character that mm-hmm. is is a sentence basically a, a concept more 
it's not really a sentence yeah. per se because like we were saying earlier they don't really speak in sentences necessarily they speak in mm-hmm. concepts uh of yep but it's a perfect circle and then all these kind of little like nodes and arms and little wibbly wobbly things that are coming out of it and it generates different shapes but it's always in a perfect yeah. circle with variation so it literally looks like a coffee stain it's yeah God, it's so. And I cool. believe she says something about how they you could start anywhere, and I don't. Maybe that's yeah. in the book that she says it. That's the book. So they they see in the book that they start realizing like heptapod is what like they're translating it in English as heptapod, but it's whatever they call themselves in their language. And she started seeing that same pattern, but in different spots of the font that they use. So she's like, okay, so now I've just realized that order actually isn't necessarily the focal point like it could be anywhere because everything combined together makes the concept right. not it has to be a b c d in order for it to make yeah. sense which again crazy detail like yeah it's it's just like super sci-fi nerd heaven for just very unique concepts and they took it that one step further with the film to visually really really just bring it to life right. i just geek it out <laughs> i think that is something that that the film does very well in, uh-huh. in that the visual representation of their language because i don't think the book talks about it a not ton. to that extent like i mean it, it talks about like. it being cyclical and having kind of different variations but you don't really get a full sense of what it looked like so they really right. kind of ran with it right and created something really beautiful it's just and it's so definitely good. alien. Like they, it's uh-huh. not like any human language. Nope. That I that I know of. Um, nope. And I imagine that that was the, obviously that was the, the purpose. Point. Yep. It is almost like like a pictorial language in in that in a sense. Yeah. But it's even human pictorial languages uh, are have that problem where there is not like like hieroglyphics or mm-hmm. or Chinese or Japanese like yeah. There are characters that form entire words, but there is no character that forms an entire. And there's concept. characters that they they form. Yeah, they'll have like a concept and a concept. You put these two concepts together, and you might form a slightly different concept. Yeah, but there is still like an order in which these are being written, right? Or right. Or, or spoken, mm-hmm. and and so like it does take a little bit there are obviously human languages that are like that where there is mm-hmm. it's almost a picture uh, yeah, in a pictographs. sense a pictograph yeah. that that is f- meant to represent a concept or a word um however it goes an even step further than that where it's like you could start any it, it represents more than just one picture or, or one concept or word mm-hmm. uh and you could start anywhere in in the pro in the circle and yeah. you will, and it doesn't matter because it it's all written simultaneously, so, so you can cool. start anywhere. Yep, it just all just kind of appears at the same time instead of you know you're starting at the beginning and and finishing your sentence and you put your period down and you're set like it's nothing like that. Everything yeah. happens simultaneously in a perfect circle. And it it's just forms. Just yeah, so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. And um, like on the subject of the heptapods. Um, I did again. I I watch all the extras because I'm that kind of kid. But yeah. um, highlight for me was learning more about the sound design 
of the oh, film. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, you guys. Oh, my God. So uh, two kind of shout outs is Dave Whitehead and Michelle Child. So they're both New Zealand-based sound productionists, mm-hmm. and they specifically worked on the Alien vocal tracks. And so it sounds like they like went around New Zealand and just <laughs> recorded a whole bunch of birds and things like in the wilderness and then just played with the tone and dropped it, pitched it, and like did all these crazy yeah. things with it, slowed it down, reverbed it. And so they they did a lot of that and then like mixed a whole bunch of, you know, like they it sounds like they didn't take any stock audio. They recorded and generated all new things. That's what I like to see. Yes. And so it's all original sound bites that they've created and the sound production, y'all. Is it's so good. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> so, so good. unique. Like it is. It is truly amazing. And and very I mean very alien, obviously. Yes. But but very like like in a lot of stuff they'll have like the they'll have that like oh the alien noises and it's like it screams and it does like wah like yeah. and it like reverbs and like mm-hmm. like um think of like the the uh like the T Rex yell in Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. It's like that scream. Yeah. Um and like a lot of alien movies will have the alien, the, the monster or the alien will do something akin to that. Yeah. Or high like, pitch, like a shrieking woman voice or something. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Nothing like that. No. It is. It is so cool. And at no point do they like seemingly scream so much as they just are making noise and it, and it's like loud. It's just they loud. They rumble. I mean, yeah. it's, it is, it's kind of weird because it is a combination in my head of organic and mechanical all at mm-hmm. the same time they look very organic these like the the aliens are like gigantic they look like the, like thing from adam's family like they're just gigantic black hands yeah with seven seven fingers if you will and they're just it's just so crazy i looking. mean they're like three people tall or something yeah and then you you don't Massive. see until later but their body just like goes stories above what yeah. you can see initially you think they're just hands initially and then she goes into the room and there's so much more of them and they just are a building they're gigantic yeah and they're but they're like an octopus they're really fluid they can float around and they do their yeah. kind of like squiddy octopus float away thing uh-huh it's just the design overall is just so oh you guys it's so good and i honestly like denis villeneuve is is a mad genius when it comes to imagery. And yeah. this was actually his first t- time doing a sci-fi film because this came before Dune and Blade Runner. Mm, yeah. So this was like his very first sci-fi film. And I'm like, dude, you were born for this. It is beautiful. Also, the the guy, I don't remember the name of the guy, but the guy who developed the actual um, imagery for the um, aliens mm-hmm. worked with Ridley Scott on Alien. Oh, well, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, so that uh, that all checks out. <laughs> Not. Oh no, is it really Scott or was it James Cameron that did Alien? Well, James Cameron <gasps> did the second Alien. Alien. Okay, yeah, Ridley. I think it was Ridley Scott. But uh, yeah, so classic people doing classic Alien beautiful things. Yeah, and then some new stuff that came in, and it was just. <sighs> You're not talking about Giger, are you? HR Giger? Not Giger. No, okay. It was somebody else. But yes, Giger was also alien. Um, yes. It was somebody else who helped do some other alien set design. I, I don't think it was Giger. Um, I, I feel like you, if it were, you would remember. I know. Like, I know Giger's name. I don't yeah. think it was Giger. Ooh, now I'm second guessing myself. But, you know, they resourced the yeah. right people. <laughs> yeah. So good. And then, and then I'm just, this is just gonna be me nerding out. This is really why I love the film is there's so many layers to this of like the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. uh, 
Johan Johannesson, yes, that's a name. Yeah. He's the composer. And uh, again, I, wa- I watched all the background stuff, you guys. Go check it out if you have a physical copy. It's so good. Um, But it sounds like the way that they did this, the soundtrack and the music is it's really ethereal and very creepy. And it sounds like very ma- animatronic, but there's it's vocal, but not. And they did a lot yeah. of really cool techniques with the audio so it, when you first see the ship when they first go to the alien site there's this like it sounds like a drone going on in the background and then like little kind of vocal pops here and there that are really slow and and kind of drawn out yeah but it sounds like the music that they did for that scene is they were they used a piano so they were doing piano strums but they took the audio and clipped off the beginning pluck and the end diminish. So it's just that resonation of the oh. key being stroked. So it's just like this continuous piano sound. And they literally did like layer after layer after layer of different um, plucks on a piano, stacked it, and then just put it on an infinite loop. So it literally is just going. Everything is cyclical in the music. And I'm like, this is mad genius. It's so. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Bad. I I recognized his name. Um I feel like I had had heard His name is familiar. Now, what else are you looking up what else he's done? I am looking up what else yeah. he's done because I had re- I did recognize his name. And I do know that he died actually shortly after this. <gasps> he died in Did tw- he really? 2018, I think. <gasps> when this came out in 2016. Oh my god, I didn't Yes, he died in 2018. No. Um, so this, he he did Sicario. I don't know if anyone. Oh, if you've seen yes. That. So that was also Denis Villeneuve. Oh, that well, was, that's funny. Yeah, that's the same guy. Um, and then he it. also did a movie called Mandy. Which, oh, did he? Uh, yes, and that was released after he died. Um, and I remember oh. that. And I think I saw Mandy first. Or no, I saw Mandy after I saw Arrival, but oh I... Oh my gosh. I didn't know he passed away. That just hurt my heart because I really I know. love his work. It really is really too bad. And it looks like there's oh, a few things so that have cool. been released after he died um, okay. that he had worked he had on. written. Yeah. But yeah, I know. It's really too bad because oh I, I did see that and I was and I was like, oh, come on. Like his stuff is so good. I know. It was just such cool technique of like a lot of vocal kind of layering. Again, everything was cyclical. And he he commented that, you know, because this this story really focuses on ling- like linguists and linguistics and the, like voice, he really drew on that from the music perspective and added a lot of really cool kind of fun, quirky voice kind of choral stuff. And so yeah. there's a lot of it's very, very cool. And I just, oh, that hurts my heart now. No, I know. <laughs> I made a note while I, while watching no! it. I think at that exact part that you're talking about, where like they're like in the helicopter and they're coming up uh-huh. on the ship. I made a note. Yeah. Literally, just the note I made was the music in all caps. I, with I, I yep, <laughs> like it's it, so good. Yeah, yep, yep. It's I mean all of it, all of it is just so beautifully packaged, and everybody. It just everything gelled yeah. so well. And they also actually worked with Ted Chang on it. So he was yeah. actually part of the production team. So again, you've got the author there 
and they're there to put their two cents in and they also are like they're the origin of the story so they really know their stuff and right. i feel just like the tone was so good so good the it reminded me a lot of um annihilation actually yeah um, which yeah very similar slow burn yeah uh-huh. i think sure. that it's i think that this is a better adaptation of of its oh, way of its story than annihilation is way better um yes but i I, th- I think there's like two parts why i think that one i think the music kind of reminds me uh yes of annihilation, even though i believe uh annihilation came out in like 2018 it came after so it came after this so Mm -hmm. so technically annihilation i guess reminds me of this but um but you saw annihilation first (laughs) i believe so actually no no actually because i saw arrival in theaters Um, oh i'm so jealous i didn't i saw arrival in theaters and i was the only one there wait i thought that was annihilation you saw it was both of them Oh, you saw both of them? Yes. I'm so jealous. I went to, the, it's, and it was the same theater. It's a very small oh theater. God. I, I went it. to see, I want to say I went to see Arrival on Thanksgiving. I think it was uh, Thanksgiving. It was when I was in Chicago. Okay, I was so, like, but why weren't you at home? So, yeah, I think we had something we were doing later that day. Gotcha. Uh, and so I went during the day. So I went during oh. the day on Thanksgiving. Um, I think I think that's what it was because I remember being like oh I'm not really surprised that it's empty but I also was not surprised it was empty because well that description (laughs) yeah the description and it's kind of an indie movie a little bit like yeah I don't think a lot of people heard about this movie when it came out I think maybe people have when they kind of snuck under the radar yeah Yeah. Um, and then I think Annihilation was the same way I saw Annihilation two years later when I was still in Chicago and that one I was alone as well now that one is a like a horror movie but so that was a little different (laughs) different. experience (laughs) but yes I saw this one and so maybe that's kind of why I put them together in my head as well because there's kind of a similar experience yeah and this movie came out Arrival came out around the time a little bit earlier than like like the Me Too movement Mm-hmm. and and yeah. i remember being really surprised this movie and annihilation for the same reason where it's like this movie is a female-led yes movie uh, yes. about a very competent woman and she like there's no point where they're trying to like pit her against a man to show they're not trying to undermine her yeah, yeah like yeah she's very competent she's very accomplished she's very knowledgeable and people listen to the things she says like she's an expert and they listen to her yeah um and annihilation is kind of similar in that way where it's it's five women in a team to go one dude who is hardly in it and one dude who's hardly in it yeah and yet these movies were like like flew under the radar during that time and i was very shocked i wonder why that that is (laughs) i'm not Well, and, that, and that's the thing. I was shocked because if Jeremy Renner had been the main character, it wouldn't have gone. I bet that's. Radar. I bet that's true. Hands down, he was a supporting actor. Which again, I love that he was a supporting actor in this, and he did a good job. Like he didn't oh, outshine yeah. her. No, he wasn't the whole like. I'm going to question everything and we fight about everything. And then at the very end, then we fall in love. Like your stereotypical mom kind of thing. Like it was very, very different. And I loved that. He even, their introduction to each other, he quotes her book to her. Her book. I know. So he obviously like, you know, knows who she is. He respects her work. Yeah. Yeah. 
He does yeah, make a little note. He's like, even though it's wrong, but he well, because he's a physicist. Beca- yeah, he's a physicist. Because so. he doesn't look at things the same way she does, which is of course yeah. why they brought in both of them. Because right. and in Forrest Whitaker even says like, this is why we need both of you on this project yeah. because you gonna be are going to look at angles. each other from you look at things from yeah different sides. Yeah, um, <laughs> and like yeah, but oh. he, yeah, he never like undermines her. He just mm-hmm. makes a like a little a, a little funny side note about like oh well you know if you think about it as a, as a as a mathematician or or from a physicist point of view uh, mm-hmm. th- you know well, that's that's wrong because physics says this like because obviously my focus yeah. is the because the, then they say it was like the the focal like the building block of society and culture she said is language he's like well that's wrong yeah he says it's math, math. <laughs> and it, and of course he says that yeah because he that's his focus because his focus is math and her focus yeah. is language and so. Yeah. Yeah, so they do have like a little bit of like a like a, a, a banter. A, a banter, yeah, and it, yeah, it doesn't feel like he's undermining her because at no point for the rest of the movie does he do anything to second guess her. Right. He, if she says so something and he doesn't understand, he asks her like to, to explain, to explain it, again. it. Yeah, and same with him, he'll explain things to her, and it's not in a condescending way. And yep. it's it's just that like she doesn't know this because she's not a physicist, and he right. doesn't know this field. because he's yeah. not a linguist. Like they have yeah. very focused uh, interests and very focused yeah. uh, knowledge, and that's why and they work very well together. And mm-hmm. and yes, it was very refreshing to have these two characters, it. yeah, not making fun of each other, and then yeah, and being combative the whole time, and then ending up yeah. together anyway. Yeah, I will say, like, the one kind of, like, cinema trope that was like, well, okay. I mean, it's already in the core of the original story, so I, I they didn't make it up. But the right. way that they presented it is, like, in the end, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner's characters, obviously, they get together, they have a kiddo, and that's, like, the whole, you know, that's the whole premise of the original story, obviously. But the one kind of piece that I wasn't crazy about is at the very end when the aliens are leaving, he's like, you know... I've been waiting my whole life and I've been looking up at the stars <laughs> yeah. waiting for extraterrestrial life to exist and you know what now that I'm here uh it's not the aliens that surprised me it's meeting you and I was like Bleh. I rolled like, my <laughs> eyes yeah <laughs> that was like the one thing I was like oh it's my like why is this God. line in here like, I know that was like the one time that I was like oh that line feels Bleh. like and, and so sad. This always happens. This always happens every time we Blech. talk about a movie. I always go back to this because I think it's. I think there's a point to be made here, and I think it's important for people to think about it this way: that a lot of movies are made with studio executives and focus groups, and yeah. and so a lot of stuff will be sort of dumbed down past where right. We have to explain why they get together. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> because I think. It's like, oh, well, I just didn't really get the feeling that they, like, really liked each other. So, like, their relationship sort of just sort of came out of nowhere. So we need, like, to have a line somewhere. That ties it all together. Yeah, Yeah. where it ties it all together. And he says very explicitly that, like, actually, it it wasn't the journey. It was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Like... And like, yeah, be- and it's like you don't need to explain to me the point I, of this movie. Like, I know I really wish they hadn't done that because that really, like, it was such an epic ending, and it really it ripped me out of yeah. it a little bit. 
And I was like, oh, come on. Like, I know that Jeremy, Jeremy Renner didn't write that line, but I'm right. like, oh, Jeremy Renner. It, it's, why? I, I really, I rolled <laughs> my eyes. You were the face of this like, line. Yeah, it same. It was <laughs> so <laughs> bad. But That's the only part, though. There is the a line o- right so after good. that, that or, or like very close after that, that she says that I kind of liked, but I could see it coming across as a little bit um, mm. sappy. Um, yeah. She has a line that says, I forgot how good it felt to be held by you. Oh, that's before. Yeah, he, he doesn't. Yeah, she's she realizes that he's going to be her husband. And yeah. Or her partner. Um, And yeah, that was kind of a sweet moment. It's a bit. Um, it, I could see it coming across a little sappy, but I, I also liked it because it is a good representation of. I think that line is a very good representation of the source i think yeah i forgot how good it felt to be held by you it's like there's two tenses happening in that sentence at the same time how can yeah. you forget something that hasn't happened yet like yeah you exactly it hasn't happened you can't forget it but it's like yeah but she forgot because she already is experiencing knew. it all in time yeah it's just yeah creepy, like it's man. it's it's such a good line and and, yeah. and not because it is a little sappy of like oh like hugging you feel so good like, but it's it's totally different context. Exactly. Though, right. Yeah. His line yeah, makes sense because it, in the sense of like, if you compare their two lines together, she th- is now thinking of time in a completely different way in that yeah. she literally has just remembered something that happens in the future to use in the present. Right. In, right. In order to like that guy, the, the cell phone number that she remembers, oh, this guy yeah. tells the, the general of the Chinese army she meets in the future, you know, however many years in the future. Mm-hmm. He tells her her his personal cell phone number so that she can then call him in the past. Right. To stop the war. And then war. he also tells her, like, you said this thing to me that changed my life and i actually like i i changed my mind and then he tells her yeah. again in in the future memory <laughs> yes uh, How, if you want to call it that and she so uses trippy. the future memory in to, in present in the time, present yeah. tense but how could she have done that if it hadn't it's happened so cool. yet and yeah. so yeah there's so the her line of i forgot how good it felt to be held by you for something that hasn't even though that's the first time they've hugged yeah, uh, that line is That's a very, so cool. very good at showing her perspective. And then his line, mm-hmm. as cringeworthy as it is, <laughs> his line does show his perspective well. He it does. is very in the moment. He, yeah, because he does not think about it the way right. same. He's way not she thinking does. at all like that. Yeah, yeah. He thinks about I mm, always used point. to look at this, and now I'm looking at this, and it's very exactly how human beings think. We all think mm-hmm. that way. We used yeah. to think about something, and now we either are still thinking about it, or we're, we're thinking about on. something else. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and there is no we're thinking about something that is going to happen as if it has already happened. Right, right. So Ooh. I think that those those two lines are are very very good in in so in so as like a device to show these characters where their heads. But his line are. is yeah. so cringy. <sighs> It could. They could have done a better line, in my they opinion. They could have done so many other things. The rest of the movie was so solid, and that was like the last, like what, five, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, I think five minutes. Honestly, it was like the very end, and I was like, "Oh, really, it's guys? Like, oh, like, you had to leave that bad taste in my mouth at the very end? Yeah. Like, oh lord." 
But, you know, that's really my only slight. I mean, <laughs> that I have really, yeah. I mean, without film. getting into the, the comparison yet. Um, yeah. It, yeah. That's really my only. Standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, ugh, y'all, I could just, like, geek out over the film forever. It's so beautiful. Like, I haven't even talked about the cinematography. We're not going to go there. But <laughs> it's very it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So good, you guys. Um, on that note, do we want to transition into the comparison now? I think so. Okay. So, weirdly enough, I don't feel like I have a lot of comparison, like in a bad way. Or maybe I do. Like, the comparison actually is kind of tricky because it hits a lot of the tones. Yeah. But the representation, I think, is really what is more drastically different if that makes sense like because obviously like book versus visual medium it's just the context of the book and how they interpreted it on screen i think in my mind was like the biggest divergence um what what were your like what are some highlights for you that you thought were mentionable yeah i think i there's like some small details like her uh her name uh, is uh the same in both louise banks but his name is uh in the book is gary donnelly and in the movie it's ian donnelly and i'm not really sure why they made that choice um gary just doesn't sound as handsome i maybe so yeah maybe (laughs) Maybe. they were like he doesn't look like (laughs) you he doesn't look he's not gary Gary. (laughs) but ian i don't know uh but uh and then the daughter as far as i know the daughter doesn't have a name in the book because she's talking to her so it's she wouldn't necessarily use her name, but right. her name is Hannah in the movie, mm-hmm. and they make a point of that because it's a palindrome. Yes, um, and they, I love which that. is, as far as I know, I don't think they definitely don't ever say that about the daughter in the book. No, because we never, never know her name. I don't even know if they mentioned palindromes in the nope in the book. Nope, that is a completely fabricated thing for the film so a palindrome for our lovely listeners is where something reads the same forward and backwards so hannah is h-a-n-n-a-h so it's read the same both directions which is like again going back to the cyclical theme just chef's kiss it fits very well for being something that they added themselves you know i have very low expectations of film adaptations to be creative uh when they're adding (laughs) on to something yeah (laughs) Um, not to say that this director, he's made good stuff. I think in yeah. general, just as a, as a, as a whole, I usually assume that there are going to be bad changes. This, I would say thematically is a very good addition. Very clever. Doesn't change yeah. much about the story. It's just sort of like an extra detail about something being the same forward and backwards. Very, very on brand, very on theme with the rest of the movie. And then I guess the 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 death of the daughter is different. Uh, she dies at the age yeah. twelve in the movie of possibly cancer, um, mm-hmm. and she dies at age twenty five in the book of like like rock climbing or something. Yeah, she falls while rock climbing or out in the in on a trail or something and they yeah and she she falls in and dies very different yeah like so they don't have that they have the scene where she's in the hospital uh, in the movie um and they I guess they basically just replaced that with the scene where she's in the morgue I, I i my guess would be that that choice is like because children with cancer is a more 
is a sadder it's more traumatic yeah it's like dramatic. yeah so for for people watching that creates more of a yeah an adult child dying although I, personally i don't feel like as a parent i don't feel like you your when your child dies matters to you but like so like i feel like you'll be as sad yeah. at any point so mm-hmm. but i think but the storytelling i can see it visually as easier like oh that person has no hair is in a hospital bed yes. they have cancer it's not going well versus if somebody's on a you know on a slab in a morgue and they just look like they got the crap beat out of them. That doesn't really yeah. tell you much. Could be a car crash. Just that they, could be, yeah, yeah. Like so, I can see the kind of storytelling is easier yes. from a visual perspective with that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that um, those are like small changes in terms of like I'd say the biggest thing that they didn't. My my one of my big complaints um, mm-hmm. is that they didn't mention. Uh, Fermat, the Fermat's principle of least time in Ooh, in the movie. Yeah, that's right. And that yeah. is a huge part of, like, it's a huge point of the book because mm-hmm. Gary or Ian uh, is, um, <laughs> we'll just say Donnelly, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is talking about how they are showing the uh, heptapods. This is in the book. They're showing the heptapods. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it's in the movie too. They're showing the heptapods um, basic algebra and oh, they're right. like not really getting anywhere with it. But then they show them mm-hmm. like calculus and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah we, we got that. that. Um, <laughs> and they're like, this it's doesn't make backwards. any sense because like, yeah, yeah, we think of it like we it, to learn calculus, you kind of have to learn a few things. Basic math. In, in our, yeah. yeah, in how we think about math. But they think about it, obviously, they think about math differently, like they think about everything differently. So calculus to them is no nothing. It's like algebra to mm-hmm. us. Um, mm-hmm. And so one of the things they also talk about that that I believe one of the other teams in the world had like a breakthrough when they introduced Fermat's principle of least time to the heptapods. And, and the book actually has like diagrams in the uh, about like like how to visually represent this i think because it's yeah. not a very easy concept for people that's probably why they did people to grasp put it in the film yeah it's a really complex concept. they could have yeah. had like a scene with the whiteboard the same way and like he could have shown and so for for anyone i didn't know what it was at first but for anyone who's unfamiliar i, I will try to summarize it as best i can <laughs> good luck <laughs> Vermont's principle at least time and they use it in the in the example they use is for a ray of light coming from the sun and hitting the water. Mm-hmm. And so the ray of light comes down and hits the, the surface of the water and then it diffracts and then mm-hmm. keeps going until it hits, you know, and then it just keeps going until it, until it no longer goes, you know, however deep. So mm-hmm. you basically, you just pick a point at which it, uh, you have the point at which it starts, the point at which it hits the water, and then the point at which you just pick along the line somewhere in the end where it's underwater. And mm-hmm. the idea is that this is not technically the or or it, it it's a very it's not a super simple idea, and I might yeah. not remember it exactly. But the idea <laughs> is that uh, it has to to get to the that point. The sunlight always takes the fastest route to where it ends up. Mm-hmm. And even when it's going, like, if it went straight down into the water with no, and no refraction, just like basically the hypotenuse of the triangle that is formed by that, yeah. as as people who are familiar with, with uh, trigonom- uh, trigonometry? 
yeah, geometry. I think so. Geometry. Um, sorry. <laughs> Something geometry. I'm not a math person. At, <laughs> with geometry is that the hypotenuse is the longest side of a triangle. Um, and so if it takes that, it's taking the longest way. And if it takes, if it does it basically the other way where it, it forms the, it, it goes a little further and then down it's much easier to see this on a diagram um that will also take longer <laughs> and so that's i think you're right it's exactly why they put a diagram in the book because like, it's what? really hard to to visualize what this is without seeing what yeah. it is i highly recommend anyone listening to look this up while i'm talking about it because it will make a lot more sense as to what oh, i'm don't saying worry, there's a test later yeah. so everybody Everywhere. stick around to the end and take <laughs> your notes um <laughs> And so the oh idea God. of this is that how is it that light light ha- would have to know where it's going in order mm-hmm. to before it before gets it there. gets there <laughs> yeah. in order yeah. to take the fastest route possible and like how is how could it do that like yeah exactly and, sh- and she even says that's like predeterminism stuff like mm-hmm. exactly you can't that's not how it works and he's like right. but that is how it works like. But is it? <laughs> Light takes the fastest route. And because you can literally, we as, a, as the observer of light can look at mm-hmm. it and say, if it went, this is the way it went. And here are nine other ways it could go. And all of them are slower. So the way it goes is the fastest. How so is wild. that? And then, And so that is kind of how they break through. That is the point I think that helps them break through of the idea of like the heptapods. That's how they mm-hmm. think. They already know. They already know the destination at which they have arrived before they get there. So they know how to get there as fast as possible. <laughs> but like, uh, how we don't think that yeah. way. Like, nope. Without the idea of predeterminism, which is how we sort of rationalize that idea, but. But that sort of gets into like, oh, what, you know, predeterminism versus like free will. If you have free will, you can't purposely choose the fastest way unless you know what the fastest way is. And then you'll choose the fastest way. But then that's sort of predetermined because it just goes. So like, yeah, so it's it's I'm I'm really sad that they didn't include that because it is basically the 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 mathematical it's like his version of of how the aliens think yeah but it helps with with all of them sort of figuring out how the aliens think well with your super super short description of what that theory is i'm very surprised they didn't include it i know that's the thing it's like (laughs) i yeah the the layman watcher is gonna be like no no i was not here to do math today (laughs) i think that you're right i think that that's why because my eyes started glazing over and i've seen it it's in it's probably in the director's cut and they showed it to us to an audience a test screening and they were like people were like i did i liked the movie except for that one part where they talked about that one math part and then i didn't want to pay attention anymore and they're like okay we gotta get the old snl skit i was not uh i was not told that i would be doing math today yeah Oh, I was under the impression there, there would, would be, be no, no math. math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a very complex concept. Um, but it is amazing that obviously like Ted Chung did did the research yeah. to wrap that into his story. And obviously film directors are like, oh, that sounds complicated. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh let's just work with geometry and 
algebra we'll just and skip. Yeah. call it We'll good. talk about the fact that we showed them algebra and calculus, but we won't talk and about what we again. showed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I mean, but that is like, you're right. It is kind of a cornerstone of the story. And again, you think of this concept. This was in a short story. I y'all. know. He he explained that in a short story. In like a paragraph, really. <laughs> like, a, like how? He does it really well. Yeah, well, I mean, he did the research, obviously. He did the research, and yeah, when you edit it, I'm sure if I had the time to like write it down and edit it, and, and like, oh, I could yeah. probably come up with a much shorter, succinct explanation. But still, but... I mean, that's people's like livelihood. People just study that. I know. <laughs> and he just slaps that He's into like, a paragraph oh, yeah. and makes it work. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, a, that is a good point. I definitely can see why they probably wouldn't have put that in. And they, they kind of you know whisked it away in other ways and i think they yes. they really drilled the um time is irrelevant thing they really drilled into that yes. in the film to kind of work around it i think yeah they they definitely leaned more into the linguistic side less yes. the math side um yes. even though that was supposed to be you know part of it uh right. you know his character feels like more of a side character in the movie than in the book even Absolutely. though she is the narrator in the so we only get her perspective in the book um and we do get he narrates part of the movie um mm-hmm. which i was kind of hit or miss on i was like she's the narrator I'm not sure i feel why, like she but should okay. narrate this but um yeah, but i think it was probably like we need to give him more of a part because <laughs> otherwise he has nothing <laughs> in this movie uh which i mean i would have been fine i mean that's that, the thing he's not the main character like no he really is a supporting character, and I ugh, love it. I love it. Yeah. And he did such a good job with it, too. I, yeah. I like that they did that. But yeah, that very end, he's like, I'm going to talk about the aliens and how every, everybody now knows everything about them, but not Yes. <laughs> they ha- yeah, the, the um, uh, what's it called? The montage scene um, mm-hmm. where, yeah, like the meat of the, of the book is that montage in the movie. And it, pretty much and yeah. it's like it feels kind of bad in a, in a little bit because it's like oh mm-hmm. like this is the part where we see like their day-to-day and they're working through the stuff together and they're working through and they did show a little bit of that like where they're showing them back in the tents and they're like talking mm-hmm. and then the alarm goes and then they go they don't go into this into the ship i'm pretty sure in the book no, it's just a little area. They call it the the lookout or the the looking glass, looking glass or something like that in the book, where it's just like a little compartment where they are able to yeah. meet up with them. But yeah, in the movie, they go into the ship, which that is such a cool yes imagery. Though the low it's gravity so stuff cool. is fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah, they really dug deeper on the sci-fi. And that there's like in the ship when they go, there's this really long hallway with this big, big light at the end of the tunnel, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's where the chamber is that the aliens are. But they actually built that. That is wow. an actual set. And so I'm like, it looks so good because it's real. Yeah. It's not CG. Obviously, the aliens are CG. Right. But the room and the light and everything around them, it is real. And I'm like, that is so Yeah, no wonder. Cool. <laughs> so cool <laughs> i mean that's the thing practical effects will will you can't always that, be better like yeah cg has gotten really good but practical effects just there is just a tangibility mm-hmm. yeah tangibility yeah. to them that like our brains just recognize when mm-hmm. he touches the wall and you see the texture of it it's like you could do that 
with with a computer like there is quite you know, think of like thanos in you know the texture yeah. on his skin is quite remarkable but there's still mm-hmm. something about it now obviously also because he's doesn't look natural but when yeah. you create something that that we know what a rock is supposed to look like our brains still kind of know and so yeah having yeah. it this be a like practical effect is really yeah. unbeatable in, in for for the viewer to just not feel like because if, if I'm sitting there like distracted by the environment, then I'm not focusing on the story. You're not looking at anything else. I'm not focusing yeah. on the aliens. I'm not listening to what people are saying. Well, it's got to be really nice too for the actors yeah. because I, I can't imagine how hard it must be to film a film that is 90% CG, like all the <laughs> Avenger films mm-hmm. and stuff. And I mean, everything's CG. So you're just like, everything's this weird blobby green right. with X's on it. So you kind of know where to look and you don't see anything until you know it's done right but having tangible stuff like that i can imagine that it really helps you get into the scene get into the character and then you know it's physically there so the light reflection sometimes it's really hard to kind of generate the same lighting that you want when it's actually there you don't have to fiddle with anything you might just enhance it a little bit but it's it's hard to replicate it in that same realistic sense like the uncanny valley thing is your brain's just smart enough to be like, something's right. off, but I can't put my finger on it, but something's off and I'm going to just chew on that for much longer than I should. Right. <laughs> yeah. And anytime, anytime your audience yeah. is doing that, they're, they're missing something. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they miss something yeah. important, then later in the movie will not make sense. And they'll be like, right, this movie is dumb. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and it's like, because something else distracted now it could be they if they get distracted on their own that's their fault but if there's something in your movie that distracts the audience and they miss something important then you have done something wrong yeah i will say like i forgot that this movie came out in 2016 i feel like it had just come out i'm like oh my god it's it's <laughs> it's already kind of dated and some of the cg of the uh the hep- uh, heptapods are a little dated yeah. but not like grossly so but there were parts where it's like oh yeah i can see the kind of like it was good cg but it's you know obviously it's progressed quite a bit in that time but a lot of it was practical you know obviously they you know they can't build the spaceship it was gigantic and there's a lot of the aerial shots where you can see them in the distance and there's all the kind of military like helicopters and and battleships in the background like you can't really create a lot of that but that's again, that's really big landscape shots. Right. And I feel like it's easier to get away with that because it's not that close detail. Right. You can kind of make it's like Lord of the Rings is like that's why it still holds up so well is a lot of those big backdrops is real landscape and then they put CG buildings and things on right, there. Yeah. But you just can't see that gritty detail. And then when you have that detail, it was all built. So it's beautiful up right, close. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the perfect blend. Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, what do they call them? They call them the spaceships in the movie. They call them. They call them pebbles. Oh, was it or pebbles? Was it pebbles? Because they do look like a very large skipping stone, like a very large yeah, agate. They call them stone. some. I think it's. I don't know if it's. I think it was pebbles or some a rock stone? or stone or so. I can't remember. Um, yeah, because they do. They, call it something they do like look that. like they kind of look like a bean too. Uh huh. They do look a little like bean, like inverted and rounded, but yeah. they're just gigantic. They're like the size of a mountain. Yeah, huge. And um, they don't touch the ground. They float. No, they just hover. Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, going back to the sound design. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I also saw that with the the ships that they created, they look like they're made out of some sort of stone yeah. or lava rock or something. And they also have like the sound design for the ships when they are like moving or things are coming out of it or they're leaving the atmosphere. They they made combinations of like ice, gravel, snow, rocks grinding against each other. Like they used a lot of those kinds of sounds to create the the sound effects mm. for the ship, which I thought was yeah. so cool because it is organic noises but it doesn't look like anything that we right. would ever experience and they kind of you know tweaked it so it it's alien for sure yeah but it's so cool yeah we it's do so see cool. when he runs his hand over it that it is it does it, look like a, a stone of some kind but it's some sort of but rock, it also yeah. is very textured i was th- i was wondering about that scene actually it was like is i feel like the scene is one to show that like it is sort of like a stone texture but also it almost looks like it's like hand carved because like it's uneven and there's like it's like when you look at like arrowheads that were like like carved out of like rocks and yeah obsidian and stuff and you can see like the grooves and they're like not symmetrical because they're being hand created and so like they might the rock might chip off a little bit differently in this spot than it does in this other spot that's kind of what it looked like like these things had been handmade i don't know if that's what the point of that was but that's definitely what it felt like the detail looked like that yeah i almost thought it, it looked organic but then it also looked like 3d printed yeah but you're right. It didn't look uniform. Yeah, there were. So it was yeah. like a weird combination of it looked like it was some sort of like resin, but it was also rock, but it was also 3D printed, but it was also looks like it was hand chiseled. Like it was, there was a lot of texturing of yeah. it that was just like it didn't look earthly, which right. was the whole point. And it was just such a cool effect. And, and from afar, stark, stark contrast. Yeah, yeah. And from afar, it looked very smooth. And then when you right. get when they got up close to it, there was texture to it. And I think, yeah. so it like, yeah, it wasn't like metal. So very yeah, cool. very good design, basically meaningless for the overall story as far like. Right. No, this is just yeah, texture, like, but, like literal texture and background. Like yeah. I do love it when Ugh. they, when, when things put details in that are not uh, overtly necessary because it, it does show a lot of care, uh, like, mm-hmm. like with the sound design. They probably could have gotten away with using stock sounds. Um, mm-hmm. They probably could have gotten away with using less sounds than they did. They like, mm-hmm. but they put the care in to do that. And and I think sound design. Right. There are lots of people who are, are very good at sound design, and then there are lots of people who are not very good at sound design. And like, like the Wilhelm. Yeah, scream. like putting the Wilhelm <laughs> scream in, like. That's like the perfect example. Like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, we'll just just put the sound in. We need like that sound. And like, if you're doing it as a we joke, need that classic scream. Sure, but like, yeah. that's one thing. If you're doing it as like as a as a joke or satire or something, mm-hmm. like it's another thing. But it's used in a lot of mainstream yeah. films. It's for those who don't know what the Wilhelm scream is. This was a a soundbite that was created back in like the fifties. I uh, maybe 60s? even earlier than that. Was it earlier? So it was basically like they needed a whole bunch of stock sound to have like a man screaming. Yeah. 
of like falling or getting attacked or something like that. And they just needed stock sound. And so this, the guy who did it was Wilhelm. And they still to this day yeah. use that screen. Like it's in Star Wars. It's in like, I can't even I think, think of any. Indiana there's so Jones. many. Yeah, there's. So, um, I mean, it was a lot of like the early like 80s, 90s films. It was everywhere. It's in a fair amount of Spielberg stuff. It's still in films. To, yes, Spielberg did use it a lot. And there's films today that have it. Like you can hear it. And I just laugh. I'm like, oh, there's a Wilhelm scream. And I yeah. now I'm going to see if I can like find the recording of it and post it later because everybody has heard it. Yeah. They may just not have known it was that they'd heard in it. It's in some Western movie like or something and, like that. And yeah. the character gets shot and like falls off a horse or something and like mm-hmm. that's the scream that the actor does yeah and then mm-hmm. someone just clipped it out of there and then just used and it as a stock stock scream yeah and basically yeah. since like then a- to <laughs> now i know it's very hard to replicate since <laughs> then to now it's used it's been used in so much and i think it's yeah i think it has been used a little less recently i think people are sort of yes. growing wise but it's still it. there i still i still hear yep. it and i'm like oh sometimes it'll get like stream. hitched up or down depending like uh-huh. but it, yeah it's very yep. recognizable it's still there and once you hear yeah. it but it's you can't no. unhear it <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> but yeah they they definitely took the effort there were no wilhelm to- screams no Wilhelm screams, and I'm so happy yeah. for that because it really, for me personally, it really takes me out of it because yeah. I'm like, the sound design, People, I don't think people understand, like, this is why I'm such a big advocate for, like, listening to the composition, listening to the sound design yeah. because those two pieces combined will easily make or break a film. Yeah. The film might be the most beautifully well-acted, directed film of all time, but if the soundtrack sucks and the sound design sucks, no one will care yeah. because that is the like that's one of the the main focal points that people are going to latch onto in a film. And the imagery just gives that more texture and more kind of warmth to what your experience is, but if you don't have those two to back it up, man it sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least I think so. No, I, I think maybe I'm really. I biased. think a lot of people <laughs> probably don't even realize. I think they know. I think it, it's like you don't have to be a chef to know if something is not cooked well. Like, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. like I'm not a mechanic, but if my car doesn't start, I know something's not right here. Like, yeah, I may not know what it is. I don't know how to fix it. But it's but off. I know that yeah. it's not right. So I think yeah, I think a lot of people do hear stuff like that, and they'll be like, that doesn't sound right. Or like that sounds mm-hmm. off, but they would never know yeah. why. But they, but they do know. But yeah, soundtrack, sound design is key in my book. No, no, I, I agree. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, anything else you want to touch on? Um, no, 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 I don't think so. Did we do it? I think so. Oh my god, you guys! Uh, I feel like we've probably nerded out enough, even though I, I know, easily. Sure if y'all want to talk shop with me about the film some more, hit me up because oh my god, I will never not talk about how beautifully scrumptious that yeah. film is. Uh, on that lovely yeah. note, uh, Mr. Daniel, what are you doing right now? What do you want to highlight? I before we sign off. Uh, normally, I would say this is this is the time normally to talk about what we're reading or watching or doing. Or, um, but I wanted to highlight for anyone who's unaware, uh, because we are talking about uh, movies in this podcast. I wanted to highlight the 
uh, Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild of America um, are mm-hmm. both on strike currently um, because yeah. of practices with streaming services and how they are mistreating uh not royalties, but uh, but the residuals uh, that that mm-hmm. writers and actors and um, get really everybody involved. Yeah, basically everyone except <laughs> yeah. the studio get for um, yeah. for their work uh, in residuals from streaming services, and so that is currently going on right now. And I just wanted to highlight that because I think that that is very related to this sort of thing. Because if you don't pay. Uh, actors and you don't pay writers well then you don't get things like this movie oh my god preach and so (laughs) and i think that this movie is uh if you just had like an ai write a movie you know it could never be as good as this movie there's nuances yeah for sure just wanted to shout that out if anyone wanted to look into that it's the wag and sa and it's uh actually sag for uh, Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA. It's a two guilds that are together. Um, and mm-hmm. They've joined forces. Yeah, and yeah. so you can look into more stuff on that if you're interested in supporting that. Yes, and I will definitely leave some stuff in the, uh, the description if you're interested and want to know more about it because it is quite the hot topic yes. right now and there's many many films i know like oppenheimer uh-huh. and like like all barbie, these films that are like yeah. barbie was another one yeah there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that uh has been affected or shows that have been affected i know personally one of my favorite shows that i've been watching is called doom patrol on hbo and they are currently on hiatus yeah. because of the strike which i'm happy because i want these people to get paid for their right. work but at the same time i want more episodes and this is driving me nuts yeah i want the studios to cave so get your so head that out the of your asses can get guys and we can get back to having good shows i know it's killing me but yeah great highlight excellent yes support your writers support your actors um maybe don't you know pay them bajillions of dollars for ridiculous things but at the same time they are working and they need money so it's a sticky situation i have thoughts on both spectrums but yes pay your people for the work that they do for the work that they do this is bare minimum it's really not that complicated (laughs) bare minimum yeah well what are you uh uh, what are you reading (gasps) Ooh, i just finished a book um called girl forgotten oh by Karen Slaughter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And she's a, a crime writer slash it's like crime and cerebral horror, I guess. Oh. It's mm, yeah. So her her last name is quite yes. apt. Um I don't know if that's her pen name, or her actual name, but oh, yeah, that's it's true. a good selling point. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah the 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 book is very interesting. So it is about a um a high school girl who is murdered in the 80s and then fast forward to present day where the main character is a US marshal mm-hmm. and basically goes back to that hometown and starts investigating shady things going on in the town and they actually start to become apparent that they may or may not be linked mm. to this murder that was unsolved 
from the 80s. Very, very cool. There's a little bit of murder. There's a little bit of cult stuff. There's a little bit of arson. Uh, It's a lot of really crazy things. Um, But the main character is pretty badass. Yeah, it's very cool. I just kind of, I randomly found it and picked it up. I was like, damn, this is actually really cool. All right. So, yeah, highly recommend if you like some crime kind of mystery novels. Um, It is pretty graphic when they do find some murder victims mm. so if you don't like to listen to kind of body gore or um there is a little bit of self-harm stuff in there so okay. maybe viewer not be your yeah viewer be warned but if you're into like the dark uh kind of genre that me and julie are always a fan of because obviously if there's cults involved yeah, yeah. we're there um it's pretty darn good all right so i would recommend that yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me, Mr. Oh, Daniel. you're welcome. Always glad to be here. Yes, we will always talk about sci-fi. Yeah. I feel like that's just like our MO, and I'm here for yeah, it. <laughs> it's one of my main genres. Oh, it's so good. It's good. It's good. Uh, well, thank you for joining me, and thanks to our listeners at home. We appreciate you. Thanks for letting us ramble, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Oh.